in the center is a platform with a giant box in the center of it. Coming out from that box is a huge spiraling horn, like from a gramophone. There are slots in the side of this box, the openings of which match conspicuously to the devices you found in the rooms previously in this temple. As you approach and insert each of these devices into the slots on this box, you realize that now each one of those devices makes a convenient handle from which this device can be rotated. You just slowly press on it as hard as you can and the grinding of stone and the whispering of dust from the seams of this ancient mechanism begin to pour out. You realize it's starting to pull away from your hand as it is rotating now on its own. And it's not more than a second or two later that a horrible song begins to emit from this. It's slow, it's sonorous, it's deep and resonating, but then the sounds begin to slightly pick up. You notice that the air above this horn begins to ripple. Two white piercing points of light appear near the top of it as they flicker to life. Two malevolent eyes that now begin to look down at you gathered around this gramophone that has summoned it. And I need you to all roll initiative. Yes! Let's play d d <laughs> Hello and welcome to Making a Monster, the weekly podcast where game designers show us their favorite monster and we discover how it works, why it works, and what it means. I'm Lucas Zellers. If you play games like Dungeons & Dragons, you'll find there's more than one tier of play. The first tier is narrative, where players roll dice to resolve character actions in the story. You know, we play the game. The second tier is meta narrative, where players build characters and fit them to the world they inhabit. And then there's this hidden third tier of play, where stories and jokes from the game's mechanics and campaigns are traded in real life. And it's in that bizarre liminal space, probably in the deep threaded forests of reddit.com, where you might find the user It's a D&D Monster Now. Without warning or mercy, he can take any comment out of context and apply 5th edition mechanics to it. It's a true test of the ability of role-playing games to accept any story element no matter how bizarre. That thing you said? It's a D&D monster now. That random picture you liked? It's a D&D monster now. That joke from your favorite TV show? It's a D&D monster now. Mothman? It's a D&D monster now. In its own way, Making a Monster is also about the space where game design meets real life, so I reached out to this mysterious provocateur for his perspective. Turns out, his name is Kyle Pointer, and he's a really good sport. Welcome to the show, Kyle. It is a real pleasure to meet you. Yeah, same. Kyle and I discussed his life as a D&D meme and the surprising benefits of designing a thousand and one D&D monsters that nobody asked for. I don't even remember what started it, but I remember I was on Reddit at work as I normally was in about 2015. And I saw someone posted just like a single sentence comment. And I thought, oh, that would make a funny D&D monster. And I thought, oh, I could make that into a novelty account because novelty accounts were all the rage back then. I created it. I think I made one or two monsters and then I completely forgot that I owned it. (laughs) for about six months. I had no intention of this 
even becoming popular, let alone it turning into anything. But then all of a sudden I posted something. I think it was like a corpse tree, like this undead tree. And then I got something to do at work. So I walked away from my computer, came back like an hour or two later, and it had just blown up. And I was like, whoa, what is this? <laughs> and I had made a subreddit so I'd have all my posts in one place, not even for anyone else, just so I could find them all. And then without even mentioning that I had a subreddit, I already had 500, 600 <laughs> subscribers. I'm like, how did this happen? I, <laughs> I never expected to get 50 or 60 subscribers, let alone this many. Now I've got, I think, I think it's at 2,500 now. Oh, I'm sorry. 20,000. I was a little <laughs> bit off. A little bit. If you had to put a name to the whole project, what would you even call this? Is it a side hustle, do you think? Is it a part-time thing? Uh, Is it just a hobby? Is it still a gag that you're just committed to? <laughs> it is kind of a gag. I intentionally try not to take it too seriously because I feel like some of my most popular work are definitely the less serious joke monsters <laughs> that I create. And honestly, they can, being funny and gimmicky does not mean they can't also be fun to use in a game. And I think that's an awesome balance when it's struck properly. So I, I definitely still kind of consider it a, a gag, but overall, I guess I would consider it, it is really a, a side hustle. It's something that keeps me plugged in to the D&D community because the community online is just so amazing. And it's just kind of like a, a fun thing for me to focus on and to pour my creative energy into. I guess that doesn't really answer your question about what to call it. <laughs> well, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I have ideas of my own. I kind of think of it as D&D as street art. You've almost hmm. come along and done D&D graffiti, which is amazing to me. I don't hate that. <laughs> I don't, I, I never thought of that, but I don't hate it. <laughs> it's also like it wouldn't exist without Reddit. This is a uniquely Reddit thing, what you've done. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. It was born on Reddit. The, the concept was inspired by Reddit. So this absolutely would not exist without Reddit. You've said you've been doing this for what, five years now? Yeah, I've been doing it for about five years. Yeah. You must've done hundreds of these things. Well, on my subreddit, which is, I'm the only one who can post there. There are currently 835 posts. Good night. Um, not all of those are monsters, but a decent number of them are multiple monsters. So I think that's not a terrible average. And plus there's at least 100 or 200 that I have done that I haven't posted to Reddit. So I feel like I have to have done north of a thousand by now. That's wild. And you're getting summoned now. People will tag you on Reddit when yeah. they see things. How often do you answer the call? There was a point where I was getting mentioned at least three or four times a day, if not more. And now it's more to the point where it's like maybe once every couple of days. In fact, every once in a while, the tag will be like, I know it's in D&D &D, Monster Now doesn't post anymore, but <laughs> it would be cool if he, I'm like, yeah, I'm still here. It still happens. Is there a particular set of skills that you think you've developed over the course of a thousand D&D &D monsters? I think technical writing. I was just talking with someone, another homebrew creator with about this the other day. Um, it really comes down to writing about something, explaining it in a way that's very mindful of the mechanical realities involved. Like you need to explain something technical 
in a way that makes sense to someone who may or may not necessarily know exactly how it works. And you need to communicate these ideas as clearly as possible, but also without a ton of jargon and without needing like a flow chart to get through it. That's practically the definition of technical writing. And it's something that is incredibly important for any kind of game design for, I would say for RPGs in general, but especially for fifth edition D&D, because it's it's so focused on clear human language and streamlining things as much as possible and being easy to understand and without a lot of overhead. That's one of the core design principles of fifth edition that makes it so important to have that when you're writing something for it, especially something that you want to be mechanically interesting or complex, but you need to, you can only go as far as you can easily explain. Um, we are 19 minutes into the interview now, and it is just at this point that we're getting to the question that usually begins the, <laughs> the show. Of the monsters you've made, what's your favorite and why? Well, favorite is an interesting question. I don't know if I could pick a favorite. Because like, it could be like my favorite mechanically. It could be like my favorite thematically. Could be the one that has got me the biggest response from the community, the one that I found the coolest or was provided to me the coolest art for it. Like those are all, I'd give completely different answers for all of those. But the, my most popular one I'm looking at it on my subreddit right now is literally one of the joke ones I was talking about earlier. It's the Yeet Elemental, <laughs> literally an air elemental that just throws people. I did it literally in five minutes as a joke, and it is literally my most popular post of all time. <laughs> but one that I really like mechanic. Um, and one that I've actually ended up using in my own campaign is one called the Music Elemental. It's a variant, or it's related to Air Elementals, but it is one that is thematically it's conjured from a ritual that involves some kind of object that makes music, like a music box or something like that. And this Music Elemental is essentially just this huge Air Elemental that responds to the music that it is attuned to. And based on that music, it will have different properties, which sounds complicated, but it's basically just it goes off the tempo. The flavor, I imagine, would more depend on the actual music itself, the flavor of the elemental, how it appears, how it acts, I think would be flavored by like what kind of music it is. But strictly based on the tempo, it's speed, actions, legendary reactions, and HP regeneration all increase with the tempo. So I've got the tempo broken down into five stages from grave to lento, moderato, allegro, and prestissimo, basically just increasing in, in speed. So f the faster the music that it's attuned to, the more dangerous it will be. It will start getting crazy. And when I was using it in my own campaign, the party realized pretty quickly, like, hey, it's as this thing gets faster, that thing is getting more attacks. We need to slow this down. So they... Half of them would spend their turns just pushing against the crank that was powering it, trying to slow it down. And I would, you know, tick it down one one tempo level just to give their actions, their investments like that. That's a cool idea. I hadn't thought about that when I had set up this encounter, but that's really cool. Like I should reward that. So I made it so that it would actually if they spent time slowing this thing down, it would actually slow the elemental down. So then they had to then decide and divide their labor, like how many of us are going to be fighting? How many of us are going to be slowing this thing down? And then there's also other things going on in the room at the same time. It ended up being really, just a really interesting fight. There was a lot of things going on at once, but none of them were like a, a 
make it or break it so that they had to focus on everything simultaneously. They just had to kind of be aware of everything and they had decisions to make every single time someone's turn came up, they had a decision to make. And it was very cool. They got very engaged and I, I was really pleased with the result. At first, I want them to forget that it, this thing is dangerous. I want it to be something that is more of a novelty, something that is interesting and fascinating to them. And then I want them to want to know more about it right up until the moment it smacks one of them in the face. And <laughs> then they, they're like, oh, wow, yeah, that's right. This is an enemy we're supposed to be fighting right now. That's kind of what I was hoping to go for. It's good at forcing people to focus on it, keeping a party busy while something else is going on, which I think is a really important part of encounter design that I think gets forgotten a lot. Like I forget it a lot. Obviously, not every single encounter needs to be some kind of masterwork, multiple things moving at once. But if every single encounter is just, here are some things, fight them, and then whoever wins gets to continue, is like that's, you're just rolling dice and playing a board game at that point. But with this, it's really good at providing you another plate for them to spin so that you can then set up other plates that they have to go between keeping them all spinning set up a really interesting encounter in that, as I mentioned before, the party will have decisions to make. They will have things that they need to decide how to, who's going to do what, there's going to be multiple things to do. And having that decision to make, I think is what makes encounters the most exciting. So this, this elemental is not really designed to be like the ultimate challenge. It's meant to be a piece a foundation, like a, a, a catalyst that you can then build an encounter around. Thanks for listening to Making a Monster. If you like what you've heard and you want to support the show, please share it with the people you play games with. Your recommendation lets people know they can trust me with their time and attention, and it's a real gift to me and the creators I feature. If you're really on board with what I'm doing and you want to improve the show, you can support me on coffee.com slash sparkotter. For just a few dollars, the price of a latte, you can help me improve the show with things like licensed music and bonus episodes. You can also follow me on Twitter, at SparkOtter, or on Facebook, at OtterSpark, and find a transcript of this episode along with a bunch of other bonus features on scintilla.studio slash monster. That's scintilla.studio slash monster. Here's how you can get in touch with Kyle. Well, I am on the internet pretty much everywhere. I am It's a D&D Monster now. That's no apostrophe. It's the wrong it's. <laughs> and you can find me on Patreon, patreon.com slash It's a D&D Monster now. On Twitter, I think the monster has no O or E just because character limits. But then on Reddit at It's a D&D Monster now, those are the main places you're going to find me. I've just finished a whole bunch of collaborations with a whole bunch of really talented people. And most of those are free for everyone. So if you guys, if you want to check out my Patreon, I've got all of those available to everyone. I and mean, I've got at least a couple more of them queued up for the next uh, couple weeks here. I'll see you next week. <laughs>